Hi, everyone. Here's my disclaimer. The information you hear in this interview may not represent those of the station or the host. Please consult your primary care physician for any advice about your own health care. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where we're a mantra to educate, enlighten, and entertain. Folks, I say this all the time. I have phenomenal guests, and I have a phenomenal guest today. I'm really excited because, number one, she's a New Yorker, and I'm from New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, we're kind of uh, close that way. I have with me today Lorette Vagini. Is that Vagini or how do you pronounce your last name, Lorette? You say it right, Vagini. I did right. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She is author of this. Oh, I love this book, The Song and Lola's Heart, a story of caregiving for ages six to seventy-six. And we're going to discuss the book. The illustrations are so. Um, Beautiful, and it's illustrated by Michelle Shane, Shan, or Shan, Shane. right? Shane. Shane. I was at the first time. <laughs> yeah. Shane. Okay, okay. It's early, folks. I didn't have coffee yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and Lorette has worked in the in-home care industry for the past 14 years, managing the process of hiring, placing, and managing caregivers in a support team. Loretta is a bicoastal caregiver for her mom and took time off to give her brother, her hero brother, Andrew, a break. Loretta has had a personal experience of walking the walk about elder care. And Loretta's going to be, she's working on a second book, which I can't wait to read, about the real-life caregiver, her superhero brother, Andrew. And you'll have to come on my show about that book, Lorette. Are you ready or welcome oh, to will. come back? I will. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So, Lorette, welcome to Chatting with Betsy. And really excited to be talking to you about your book. And, folks, I, you know, I, I have to say this. I do really love the books that I get from the authors. And, Lorette, I'm going to ask you what I ask every author is, what motivated you to write this book? Great question. So I, um, as I said, as you introduced me, I've been working in the caregiving industry for a long time now. Um, and when COVID hit, you know, we, we had, as a team, we're trying to think of ways to, to give back to the professional caregivers that we had. It was so hard for them to go out in a time where it was really scary and still care for a patient. And I was on a bike ride one day, um, and I was climbing up a hill, and I always try to distract myself when I'm going uphill because it's painful. And I was thinking of this story in my head, um, which eventually became the song in Lola's Heart. And I got to the bottom of the hill with a friend of mine, Louise, who can be a little critical. And I told her the story, and she said, I love it. So I came home, and I wrote it. And then the biggest challenge, though, was finding someone that could put pictures behind my words that, for me, resonated. Um, and I miraculously found an old classmate on Facebook, Michelle Shane, who is a wonderful illustrator and a graphic designer, and I sent her the book. And she also has 
some similarities to the character, and she loved it. And so we worked on it together. So that's kind of how it – and I dedicated it to caregivers, um, the, care, the professional caregivers um, that were working, caring for our clients. So that's how it, that's how it came about. I think the illustrations, and, and by, I'm by no means a book critic, but the illustrations, but I did work in a preschool. <laughs> the illustrations mm-hmm. are absolutely wonderful. The story yeah. is great. And um, folks, I was talking to Lorette before I started to record, and I'm going to tell you, the audience, how I feel about this book. I think it is so brave. And I give Lorette a lot of credit. Kudos to you, Lorette. Not only did she write a children's book, you're welcome, which there really I don't think there's a lot of children's books dealing with families who have someone with dementia. But you wrote a book that is not your traditional family. It kind of goes against the, the grain with some people. It is diversified. This is a lesbian couple. She has two moms. She has two stepbrothers. The second mom is African American, so it looks in the in the picture. And the grandma is Jewish, comes from Russia. I love that because my grandma came from Russia and I'm Jewish. <laughs> and um, I just think that this book is so needed. You know, like you said you lived in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think this would be would sell like hotcakes, especially mm-hmm. in the LGBTQT. Uh, I think I got that plus community. Uh, <laughs> this is a book that's definitely sorely needed. Um, mm-hmm. the, I'm curious as to why you had a book and you were very diverse with it, which I, I can't brag enough in your honor mm-hmm. of how I think that's so so cool. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, I was raised by very um, parents who, who really emphasized how important it was to accept other people. My mother was in, um, married my father, and she was really the first one Old and you know they didn't they didn't marry outside of they didn't most of all of her siblings who was one of five married Italian Catholics and when my mother brought home this man my father who was um, not Catholic not Italian um, and you know Jewish and had been married before and had a child it was a bit of a scandal. And I think that really formed our acceptance because my mother had to really fight to to say I'm marrying the person I love and I don't care um, what faith he is. So for me, it's just always been really important, the whole concept of acceptance and not everyone looks the same and not everyone is in the same type of a marriage. And then, of course, spending the last 20 plus years in San Francisco, um, we do have a lot of families with two moms or two dads and I just you know it's accepted in San Francisco but it's not accepted in a lot of places and I just thought it would be important to see that 
um, in the context of what happens when you have someone you love has dementia and you have to accept it. So it's a lot of the theme of the book is about acceptance in all areas, not just dementia, but you know everything, what families look like and how you identify. Yes. So yes, I I agree, and then yes, I I think it's it's awesome, and I could actually relate to your parents' story because I remember when my when the first cousin of my family got married, she married an Italian guy. That was scandalous mm-hmm. back in the 70s because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're Jewish. And, you know, I was brought up, you stick to your own kind. You marry your mm-hmm. own kind. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in my family, um, we didn't. I married, uh, Matt was uh, German, Irish, and uh, mm-hmm. my sister married a Filipino guy. And my mm-hmm. brother married someone who wasn't Jewish. So, you know, we're very, my family, it got very diversified uh, through the years. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to accept. And, you know, I say this all the time, Lorette, when I have interviewed people that are in the LGBTQ plus community, that I tell the audience, you know, you don't have to agree or like someone's lifestyle, but it doesn't give anyone the right to belittle somebody or to bully somebody because of Mm -hmm. it. And I think that this book really hits home with, like you said, acceptance and understanding Mm -hmm. what the grandma is experiencing with dementia and how caring. That's another thing I, I have to bring out, how caring the little girl is Lola Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. folks I know for a fact because I saw it with my own son children can learn valuable life lessons by being a caregiver as we Mm -hmm. the parents role model for them but they can learn lessons caring compassion empathy and I think this book also brought that out yeah yeah, and it's interesting. I think some of what people ask me, like, what motivated to you, you to, to write this, in addition to wanting to give back to caregivers, but I think some of it comes also from what I saw with my grandparents and how isolated seniors can be when they start to lose their hearing or their memory. And, and we came from a very large family. This is my Italian, my Sicilian grandmother. And she was usually, we had large gatherings, and people would kind of leave her alone. You know, she would be the lady dressed in black in the corner. And I started to really grow closer to her at that time because I realized how, you know, rich of a life she had, and, and, and I started spending a lot more time with her at those events. Um, and I just, you know, realized that if we had all just said, accepted that there were changes but she was still there and, and just the need to, to connect and all the connections. I mean, I remember having her listen to Grateful Dead, which was, you know, the music that I listened to back then. Um, and it was wonderful because she, she liked it. You know, I, I don't think <laughs> I ever expected that, but by really slowing it down, and I think that's what happens when, you know, we're going so fast and, and sometimes as people get older, they, 
they can't keep up, so so they're left, they're they're ignored. Um, and I just would slow down, and and Grateful Dead is kind of a perfect, you know, type of music to slow down to. And we listened to it, you know, and we we shared something together um, that I never knew I could share with my grandmother. So um, it really taught me a, a good life lesson. I was much older than than Lola at the time, but it just taught me that it's you know, to slow down, to meet people in their, in their space, just like Lola did when, she, when her grandmother is now, you know, no longer speaking English and she learns to connect with her, spoiler alert, through, through Russian. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it did break me, bring me back to that experience. Yes, that's what um, I also remember, like my own grandmother, she spoke uh, English to me, but she would speak Yiddish to my my mom, my mom never spoke Yiddish mm-hmm. back. I can never figure that out. Like I say to my mother, mm-hmm. how can you never learn to speak it? Because the preschool that I worked in, these children spoke their, their parents' native tongue, their, their mother language. Yeah. And, um, but they're taught that at home to speak you know, the language. My mother wasn't encouraged uh, to, to right. speak back in Yiddish. And when my yeah. grandmother got, as she got older, she, I wouldn't say she had dementia, but she would forget that she was talking to me and she would speak to me in Yiddish and I would say, Grandma, mm. I'm not Harriet. <laughs> yeah, just speak mm-hmm. to me in English. And then she would remember. But a, a lot of times in families, especially I guess in, when I was growing up, you tended to, I don't want to say forget, but as kids, you know, we you don't have the patience sometimes or even as a teenager to sit with someone. But right. I used to take my son Josh to visit my grandmother when she lived in her apartment and then when she went to a nursing home and he loved visiting his great grandma. Mm-hmm. And to, to, you know, to to hear the stories. I love to hear my I I love to hear my grandmother's stories about coming over. And we I find that especially during the pandemic, people got a taste of that isolation, Lorette, and yeah. um, even abandonment in a way because they weren't abandoned purposely because we couldn't visit. But I talked about this way before the pandemic, that caregivers and their loved ones are abandoned and they do feel mm-hmm. isolated. And now mm-hmm. the world got a taste That's of it and they don't like it. And so I hope they yeah. keep that in mind when they decide, oh, I'm not going to talk to them because they have dementia or they don't know who I am anyway, so why mm-hmm. should I visit or talk to them? Folks, I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell, you know, I'm going to just say this straight from the heart because that's how I talk. And I'm a Jersey girl. People, <laughs> uh People know love. I said this years ago, and I'm standing by it. Dementia, I don't care what kind you have, cannot rob the heart of love. It can rob your brain of memories, does not rob the heart of love. Your relatives with dementia, they know love. They feel love. They know your voice. They may not recognize you. They know your voice. They hear it. Hearing's the last sense to go. If they... Don't, if they're not hearing impaired, they know, and they, everyone needs physical touch. Everybody wants to be communicated with. Mm-hmm. And this book, to me, brings this out. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'll give you a little spoiler alert for the next one. So, um, and I totally agree. And my mother, you know, she, she has memory loss. And, and we always joke, someone comes in the house and she looks at them and she goes, huh, I know you, and whether she knows them or not. But it brings, with a big smile, and people just love it. And she, she loves, I say to her, I say to the people, she may not remember your name, but she remembers she loves you. But one of the things yes. my mother always did and still does is, um, and the book is, the second book is about this, um, she would squeeze our hands three times, and three times meant I love you, and a fourth time meant I love you too. And I know that until the day, you know, she passes, that will be something, a language that no matter what, she will always be able to communicate in. When she was recently in the hospital and she was very much out of it, they had to intubate her, and we... Um, they were taking her off the, the breathing tubes and we squeezed her hand three times and she couldn't communicate. Um, I don't even know if she knew she was there and she squeezed our hands four times back. So I think you're absolutely right. No matter what, the heart knows what the heart knows and it knows love um, and it knows touch. And it may not know names and it may not remember dates, but it knows those things. Yes. Yes, definitely. When my my mother-in-law, Matt's mom, she had Alzheimer's and she had to be placed. And when we would visit her, her face lit up like the 4th of July when she saw Josh. Uh. She knew him. Her heart knew him. May not remember the name, uh-huh. but she would smile and her face would brighten. And that's even like 20 years ago, folks, I realized that dementia cannot rob the brain. Uh, I mean, not rob the heart. It does rob the brain. Uh It cannot rob Uh the heart of love. I saw it with Matt, my husband. Um, He would call me after a while. He started calling me Betsy, and he called me Booby. But but he knew that Booby was his wife. And yet Uh he called Josh Josh. Isn't the, the brain baffles mm. me. It really does. He knew Josh's yeah. name right to the end. Um, yeah. it, it's, a, it's amazing. And I, I hope you do write more children's books. And what I Well, this other also, one I just met with my, uh, I was going to say, I just met with the illustrator, Michelle Shane, that my childhood friend. And so we're, yeah, we're, we're doing it. So. Oh, that's, I'm looking forward to it. And what I really, I think, is exceptional about your book, Lorette, is that you have um, in the back of your book organizations and websites for caregivers. I thought that was terrific. Thank you. That you put that in well, there. Well, we all need support. We need yeah. a lot of support. And as you said, it can be it can be very isolating and um yeah, I mean, I've kind of taken a little bit to social media just to share some of what, you know, we're going through here with my mom and because it, you know, it, it is, um, it's a whole other world, you know, and you, you learn new traits and qualities that you need to, you need to stay connected because you're not in the mix anymore, you know. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's a great, it's a, it's a great experience. I mean, it's uh it's heartwarming, as you know, from your journey with Matt. You, you know, you've taken it to share with others after he passed. It's, 
it's a very different, and it can be a lonely world, so you have to work hard to stay connected, to stay healthy, to stay, um, you know, doing the things that you love to do. And thank God now for, that we have, you know, online, I love to exercise, and so I, I get up and I do my online classes, and uh, it, it makes me a better caregiver during the day. So. Yes, yes. Um, I've talked about self-care and how important that is. And I know people say, well, I don't have, you know, time to go to a spa or the money. And that, that's not just doing that, folks. Um, self-care is Loretta's exercising at home. It's taking care of you, the person, and really taking care of your heart, your soul. You know, we have yeah. to recharge our batteries because yeah. if, you, you know, as the saying goes, you can't serve from an empty cup, an empty vessel. And, folks, right. I know, I know firsthand how difficult it is to find that time and that balance or to even want to go, you know, um, walk around the mall or take a walk, and then you feel guilty because you're – not with your loved one. And it's getting yeah. that balance. Is, I, I found it difficult. But you, mm-hmm. we shouldn't feel guilty because we do need to recharge our batteries because when we're cranky and full of stress and anxiety, it rubs off in our loved one and they feel that. And they don't want that. They don't want us of to feel not. that way. Yeah, they already feel bad enough, you know, if if they're – um, aware of what's going on, they feel bad. You know, my mom feels bad that I'm sometimes. And I said, it's, Mom, it's it's a treat. I mean, for me, it's such a blessing that you're letting me even do it. So thank you. But you have to, right? you have to do things. My AUGA class was split into three different sections because Mom needed help in between. So does it look exactly the same? No, but I still got to, you know, I just kept reminding myself, I'm still getting the yoga class in. It's just, you know, extended <laughs> it's in phases yes. Um, yes yes learn to adjust we have to constantly readjust our uh, you know schedule and um, I really learned I'll tell you I really learned to just go with the flow of things and not be yeah. so um, rigid um, yes well said, well said. <laughs> You know, I was a, I'm a bit of a control freak, I guess, and I never realized that. And you know, to and and to be very organized. I also, you know, worked as a nurse, so I used to having to organize yourself. And it comes to a point where you know what? I I couldn't do everything for Matt in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. He couldn't tolerate you know, brushing the teeth and shaving and the showering. I had to break it up. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, you got to go with the yeah. flow of your person too. And I wanted to ask you, Lorette, because you worked in the home care industry. Is your, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say attitude, but is your attitude different now with if you went back into doing home in home care um, now as you're taking care of your mom than before you were taking care of your mom, before you were a caregiver? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, 
I've been saying the last couple weeks, I learned more in 14 weeks than I did in 14 years. Um, I think, you know, walking it, I mean, I, I knew the, the world of, of home care and family caregiving, but very long distance. My father was, you know, ill and, and I wasn't really here. But being here on a daily basis, you learn so many things. And it's not just about, you know, I've, I've learned about toileting and showering and hands-on things, but all the things that affect families. The, you know, do you have, is there a living will? Where is it? Do you know what it says? I mean, even down to the, you know, what it says. I hadn't read it until I had to read it. Um, do you have authorization with all of her, where she has her accounts? You know, do you really know what you want? I mean, just tons and tons of things that come up as you're caring for someone towards the end of, end of their life. Um, so it really has given me a much more expansive perspective of what family caregivers go through and are going to go through. Um, and I keep saying to my brother, what if, and this happens so many times, right, what if mom didn't have the two of us? I mean, we're so fortunate because we have, we're both here right now. And my brother kicks me out of the house when he sees him going a little stir crazy and vice versa. <laughs> but there's so many people out there that don't have it. Or I couldn't do this two years ago. I couldn't do that. I had other commitments. So, and that's where geriatric care management comes in, right? You hire a geriatric care manager who becomes your representative if you can afford it because it's pricey. But, um, <laughs> just taught me that it's, I was dealing with one segment of, of the elder care journey, you know, hiring and managing the caregivers, but there's so much more involved that families have to do and go through, and it be, can become quite overwhelming at times. So it's nice to have, you know, I had my background, so I was able to quickly navigate uh, a game plan and also be flexible, but also, you know, I knew, I knew some of the questions to ask, but I've just learned so much more actually doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and sharing it with other people because, you know, as I share, I realize that we don't know what to do. We don't know what we don't know until we don't know it, right? I don't know if that's the right. actual expression, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely what, what I've learned and felt. You know, I came into this thinking, well, I know everything. I've been doing this for 14 years. You know, of course I know what to do. And it was a rude awakening because it was, you know, I, I learned, oh, no, there's so much more. It, it, so many more nuances that know and understand. And one of the I just shared recently in LinkedIn was about what my brother calls the H word, you know, hospice. And I used to banter that word around like it was nothing. Oh, yeah, this family's going on hospice. Don't call 911. They're on hospice. Such a big emotional step to take for families. And I think you had said something also on a post about it. It's, it's not an easy one. So it's having the compassion for other people by feeling it myself, by being in, in that situation. And it's really, it's really taught me a lot. It's taught me to be much more humble and and learn a lot more about my craft, really, you know, because it's come back to home. Yes, I have heard from people who were in the uh, home care industry, and then when they were a caregiver, then they really understood. And really, people don't understand unless they have gone through that 
experience. You brought up great points, Lorette. Um, I wish that I had hired uh, someone, a geriatric care consultant, to help me with the hospice uh, process, to pick mm-hmm. at a, a hospice. Uh, I tell people all the time, please learn from my mistakes so you don't make the same ones. Don't wait till you're at the end of your rope. Uh, you could always get mm-hmm. a consultation. You could always refuse, say, you know, I'm not ready for it. But if you just want to get an evaluation for hospice, just have to ask your doctor and you could get one and they'll tell you, you know, if your person qualifies or not. And, yeah. you, you know, what up like living well, that is so important to make your wishes known for your, uh, of what you want, of what, and people don't want to talk about that, but it needs to be right. talked about, you know, end of life. What do you want your end of life to look like? Pre, pre-planning your um, funeral. Do you want a funeral service? Do you want a memorial service? Do you want to be cremated, buried, or alternate um, a burial site? Uh, these are things that people don't want to think about, but yeah. you, you have to think about it. And power of attorney, medical, financial, and uh, make it clear what you want so that siblings don't fight over it. Um, because that's when you get into um, fights of, you know, no, mom wanted this. No, she told me she wanted that. And then if it's right. written down, then there's no question about it. Yeah. <laughs> I. Do I and it has to, to be this? early. It really has to be early. Yes. Not, oh, not yes. at the end because it's too scary at the end. Right. I mean, as soon as someone's diagnosed, I mm-hmm. highly recommend that. And don't even wait even for before. that. Yeah, yeah. Even before. Yeah. Even when you're perfectly healthy. Yes. You I make those decisions. Yes. I highly recommend from the age of 18, your child, um, whether they go off to college or not, your 18-year-old is now an adult, and they should have a living will, power of attorney, medical financial. It could always be changed. They get married or have a partner. It could always be changed. But if your child doesn't have that, then you as the parent don't have a say uh, because mm-hmm. they are an adult. And the hospital doesn't even have to tell you anything. They don't even have to right. tell you that they're there. Um, and I got power of attorney, um, and I had my son, uh, do that at the age of 36 because I wanted it done, but then the pandemic happened and I couldn't get to a lawyer till afterwards when they were starting to open back up. But I highly recommend that. Excuse me. (coughs) And, um, I also want to recommend when you have the living will really read it and save Mm -hmm. yourself the stress and anxiety. I happen to be shredding papers now and I saw Matt's living will, which I carried out his wishes, but Mm -hmm. I felt guilty, which I shouldn't have. um, And caregivers do have that unjustified guilt. I felt guilty of giving him medicine to calm him down, which then made him kind of a zombie and then when he was admitted to the hospice unit in the hospital, he had to be heavily medicated because he was so severely agitated. And I felt that I 
was I killing him? This is how what was going through my head. And then when I looked at that living will, it said that he wanted medications to ease his comfort, even if it might hasten his death. How I wish Mm. I would have really read that, Lorette. It would have saved Mm -hmm. me so much stress, undue Mm -hmm. stress, undue anxiety. So please, folks, take my word for it. Please read your loved one's living will. So, like, I read it. Not that I didn't read it, Lorette. I I read it. But you know how you could read something it doesn't even sink in, and then you read it, and then Mm -hmm. it hits you like a sledgehammer? And that's yeah, what happened. No, absolutely. It saved us. I mean, it saved my my brother and I when we had to make the decision. I mean, it was a little bit of a conflict between, and then we read it. I said, look, this is what mom wanted. So, okay. Um, so it, it really is, it's an important document. It helps. Yes, yes. Um, very uh, important to, to really um, read it and if I would have read it over and over again, I would have realized that I was carrying out Matt's w- wishes and I was not um, killing him. But, you know, we always second-guess ourselves. And I used to think, oh, I won't feel guilty about anything. I did my best. But you know what? Um, I know in my case and I know other caregivers, I do run a support group, they feel guilty. They mm-hmm. Caregivers have, I don't know, I, I call it unjustified guilt because no matter what you do or don't do, as long as you're not being abusive or neglectful, they're going to die, unfortunately, from this disease. That's the fact. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people think, well, if I should have done this, I could have, would have, should have, it drive you nuts. And yeah. carrying that unjustified guilt is just a... Um, a drain. It's an emotional drainer and um, I have to learn to let go of it. And and I finally learned to let go of that. Um, But it's hard. It is. It's difficult. And have you noticed that, that everyone has an opinion? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Everyone has an opinion of what you should or could do. That's not in the same boat. You know, I, I, I do value opinions and, but it's, and I, I know it's coming from a good place, but I have never heard so many opinions from people of what you should do. Um, so, yeah, there's that outside influence of, oh, my gosh, I'm already dealing with my own guilt, right? And now you have to throw it on me. You know, you shouldn't give this medication or you shouldn't do the, you know, it just goes on and on. Not professional opinions, just personal, you know, personal yes, can you please share? I, I love this, folks. I saw it on Lorette's LinkedIn page. The story of your mom with the pudding, because that is just so precious to me. <laughs> so my mom has been. My mom has congestion failure. So one of the things they say is low salt diet. You know, they're also advising not too much caffeine, so not too much chocolate. So for several um, months. We were really trying to, no, Mom, you can only have, you know, one pudding. You can only have one cup of hot cocoa. And, and when we decided we didn't want her going back to the hospital, we just said, and this is where a curse word would come in, Betsy, but I'm not going to use it. Um, okay. Said, you know what? <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. Let's just give her everything she wants. So my brother and I, when we made that decision, we went out, we bought $60 worth of pudding, which I didn't know you could spend <laughs> 
dollars I'm putting, but the funny thing <laughs> lasted maybe 36 hours. It wasn't even a couple of days. And so on my LinkedIn post is a picture of her holding her pudding. And she just loves it, and we are really enjoying giving her what she wants. You know, when the cardiologist told me the last time, no, you know, you've got to cut down the pudding, I looked at her and said, really? I said, okay, forget it. Because it's making her happy. And she, we want her to be happy and comfortable, and, and we don't want to sit here and scold her. Yeah, and that's what's important. Yes, I I, I, representing I really her, her pudding. Yes, I really like that. I'm, and that reminded me, as I told you earlier, of Matt because I gave Matt pudding, and I don't know for some reason, uh, those with um, dementia crave sweets. I know my mother-in-law did. Yeah. She loved her crumb buns, and uh, she loved her ice cream. I used to bring her ice cream, and Matt loved. Well, he always loved the sweets, but he really loved his his sweets. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Why not give them what they want? You know, it, it's comfort. Let them yeah. eat the pudding, especially yeah. at at the point where where they are. I mean, really, um, what difference does it make? People might get upset with me right. for saying that, but you know what? When people are yeah. at the end of their life, why can't they have what they want? Yeah. Why but not? No, I never forget the pudding. I go to the store, I always get the pudding. Yeah, that's... And it, keeps, it makes her happy. I, I love that story. Well, I could tell you back... Well, the way food prices are, putting a package must be about 5 or $6 now, so I could see it's you spending that much. Yeah, we yeah. go to the dollar store, though. We have found the dollar store in town, so and they sell the pudding. So she, yeah. She's, it's a little cheaper, but who cares? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lorette, I really enjoyed talking to you today. And uh, thank you. uh, You're welcome about your book, and uh, I wish you the best. And I would love for you to come on when you have your other book published. You know where you can contact me, and I'll have you um, back on because I would love to read about uh, your superhero in your book, uh, your next book. And, Laura, where can people purchase your book, The Song of Lola's Heart? So it is available on Amazon, and you can look up either my name, Lorette Fogini, or you can just look up The Song in Lola's Heart, and it's right there for $9.99. And usually Amazon ships really quickly. So um, that's where that's the easiest way to get it. And if people wanted to connect with you, where could they connect with you? If you want so people I'm, to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. It's all under Lorette Fugini. I have a website that's coming out. Um, it is uh, caregiversuperhero.com, but that's in the works. So any of those uh, social media sites, you can find me. And I love to talk to people and share my experiences and reach out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lorette Fagini, everybody, The Song of Lola's Heart, a story of caregiving for ages 6 through 76. I love the book. I think it should be in actually preschools and kindergarten. I know some schools probably won't allow it, but I think Uh that they should. And 
I just think that people should buy this book and read it. It's a great, great book. It's a great story. I like the um, the poem, A Tree Stands by the Road at the End. This is a very uh, moving book. It's, it's a children's book, but you know what? It's great for adults, too. And reading is very important. Put your child, your grandchild, your niece, your nephew on your lap and read to them. It's very beneficial for both of you. And I want to thank you, Lorette, for coming on Chatting with Betsy. Folks, please share this show to help other people. That's why I have Chatting with Betsy, is to help other people. And to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy is for free. I'm on Spreaker and iHeart. You can hear my show on PassionateWorldTalkRadio.com. And let your friends know about Chatting with Betsy because I have phenomenal guests and that are very resourceful that can help you live a better life and give you information, such as this book, The Song in Lola's Heart. In the back of this book has websites for organizations. That was so thoughtful, Lorette. That was really um, phenomenal for you to do. That's, that's wonderful. I get, um, I do folks that get very excited because you know what, when you're a caregiver and you don't know about resources and a lot of people don't, I know I didn't when I first started, it's important. It's important to have resources. And that's what Chatting with Betsy does is to provide resources. And I want to thank everyone for, for listening. And please purchase the book because it's a great book. And that's my opinion. <laughs> and I just want to um, say read the blog, which um, Jeannie White, our station manager, uh, writes and produces the show. So thank you, Jeannie. We'll have information about Lorette and how you could contact her and where you could purchase the book. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Passion World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. Folks, as I always say at the end of the show, in a world where you could be anything, please be kind and shine your light bright. Because if we were all kind and shined our light bright, this would be a much happier world and a brighter world. So let's just do that. And yes, I am a child of the 60s and 70s, <laughs> and I believe in love and peace and um, being kind to each other. This is Betsy Wurzel. You're a host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. So we chat again, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye now. <laughs>